1: Now we can't promise that it will always be kept
0: PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here, Here we go. go. Hello Jade. Hello Sophie. How are we this week? Right now I am really really good. I am absolutely stoked to be sitting in the potty pod with you in the flesh. I know it's been too long. It has been way too long and I'm now just touching your left breast.
1: Yes. You're and welcome. is it just how you remember? It is. It's delicious. So good. Yes, it's good to be back in your potty pod with you side by side. Now, how has the week been? Okay, so
0: my week has been, yeah, look, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I've had, look, every six months I tend to have like a real dump of anxiety mixed with I guess, ugly thoughts and it's actually a really hard time and it's been simmering away for a few weeks and it really got to its peak this week to the point of I've been feeling very disorientated, very unsure of myself. I haven't been on social media that much because I actually just can't even comprehend the phone right now and yeah, it's been really scary to say the least. I always when I come out of these weird times, I feel like, oh, you know, oh, that was okay. I'm, I'm out of it now and I know how to get out of it because it's happened before. But I can't tell you with people who suffer from anxiety and panic, when you're in a headspace that you can't get out of, it is just terrifying. It doesn't mm. matter how many times you go through it. It's like I forget my tools, my toolkit. To get out and it takes a really long time but I understand that life's not normal at the moment we haven't had the support around us or well, for myself and you know I've got three children so it's been a lot and I am going to be okay but I'm very thankful for my family and friends who have been supporting me and checking in and just being there because it, it does mean the world to me. But we've got a birthday coming up. Yes. The person that hates birthdays, it all coincides, of course. My birthday is Friday it would have already have just gone. So I am actually so excited for that. My bestie has organised a ladies' lunch where we can just chat, eat and be fabulous and I'm hoping there will be no lockdown so we can actually
1: all catch up like normal people Mm. and have a really lovely time. But no, I'm sorry you've been feeling like this. I feel like when you go through one of these stages I miss you because you really retreat but I know, like, you know, you've said in the past that you just kind of need to be left alone <laughs> um but you know this isn't about me this is about you and but i am really sorry that you know you've been going through this cuz i feel like you really do try and put things in place to kind of help yourself but it does seem when you go through these particularly hard patches that not even that is enough to pull you out but i feel like you're on the yeah i think i'm on the you're coming out the other side and i think it's maybe a- you just needed to see I think me I did darling. i
0: think i think that yeah. was you babe no i also think that i i mean your kids going back to school <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's be serious routine is everything for me Yeah. i thrive off routine children thrive off routine but i especially do so when you get yanked in and out of lockdowns the routine shifts and then i can't i don't know you do what well. you
1: also thrive off Not having your children home all day, every day. (laughs) That's fucking bonus.
0: But anyway, I'm getting my hair done today, and we are going out for lunch on Friday, and I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. But tell us about your week because you've been through a rough one as well.
1: (laughs) Okay, so it's something I'm gonna come open and clean with because it's something that I've felt too stupid to admit. And then I admitted it to Jade, and she was like, babe, I'm exactly the same. And I've spoken to so many friends, and they're exactly the same. So over the week, Weekend, my husband went away, and when he goes, I'd I'd, leading up to him leaving, I'd been feeling a bit anxious about him going, and I was like, "What's the deal with this?" And I was like, "Oh, maybe it's because I haven't had like the two girls on my own for quite a while, because like no one's been able to go anywhere or do anything or anything like that." I was like, "Oh, maybe it's just that." And anyway, then he left, and I was like, "No, I'm all sweet. I'm happy to have the girls on my own." And actually, all weekend they were so well behaved. We had such a nice time. The high of the week was actually that. Goldie is such a dad's girl. Like he is obsessed with Nick. Those two are like twins. Uh, You just said said he is obsessed with Nick. She is obsessed with Nick. They're like twins. They look alike. They've got similar personalities. They're both really cheeky and just like a bit naughty and energetic. But you know, I'm obviously fond of that personality. And so when I'm around, I'm chopped liver. Like I am just... It, Nick comes home she's like daddy <laughs> like I am useless and worthless so to be honest it was actually really nice <laughs> to be wanted and needed by her and she got quite clingy like we'd be around friends and she wouldn't go to any friends she got upset when I went in the water for a swim because I think she thought I was leaving her too anyway but the thing I wanted to admit is that I'm 30 years old and I'm making a joke out of this now but it wasn't a joke at the time I am 30 petrified of being alone by myself at night in my house and going to sleep anyone listening can you
0: please send in and let us know if you also feel this way because I think it is it's swept under the rug about how many people are quite scared or frightened to be home alone
1: yeah and I actually quite liked Like, you know, of course I missed Nick while he was away. He was only gone for like three days. I quite liked, you know, being on my own time, having the house to myself just doing what I wanted but then it would like start to get dark and I would think about going to bed that night and I would just think about where's the intruder going to come in from what am I going to do how am I going to grab the girls at the same time you know what am I going to do with this what am I going to do with that what was that noise oh don't fall too deep asleep because if you fall deeply asleep you won't be able to hear them get in and you won't have enough time to do something and I would you know listen to a sleep story and finally get myself in a calm state and then And, you know, like Goldie woke up. So I got up and I got her a bottle and she went back to sleep. And I felt like I was starting again. And then I'd be just asleep. And then like Poppy would wriggle next to me and I'd wake up and I'd have to start the whole process again. And I mean, I was like clammy and hot in my bed. I considered just laying up all night and reading my book because I was like, at least if I'm awake and reading, I'll be prepared if anything happens. And I did finally get to sleep maybe at like, nearly midnight. And then I probably woke myself up at like five-ish. And as soon as it was morning, you know, I reflected on it and I was like, oh, this is so silly. Like you're 30, you're fine. Your house is safe. Nothing's going to happen. But I just, in the nighttime, couldn't shake it. And then I've spoken to so many of my friends, like kind of tail between my legs, like this is so embarrassing. And so many people agree with me. And you said to me, you said every time your husband goes away, you organise a sleepover. And that's what I did the next night. I asked my brother and his girlfriend if they could come stay the night because I was like, I need to sleep tonight. And it's nothing to be ashamed
0: of. And I'm actually the opposite with you. I think there's different ways that you can feel fear and being scared alone. I'm already in fight or flight mode in bed. So instead of me worrying about what's going to happen, I'm already in, well, fucking come at me. Come. Like if you're in here, come and get me and I'm just already on edge. So you can imagine, try going to sleep, feeling like you've had 20 coffees and about to like attack someone that's not even there. That's how I feel. And then I wake up the next day, especially when you're parenting, you're so exhausted because you haven't had a proper sleep. Well, the next
1: day I was so tired and I was like, okay, it's just me today. And look, I'm sure there's heaps of people listening who, you know, their partners do fly in, fly out or they're separated or they don't have a partner and they're probably like, like, yeah, wind, wind, your partner went away for two nights. But it's honestly one of those things that I'm like... You're not used to I don't, it. I'm not used to it and I don't know how I would deal with that side of things. Nick was out of reception too, so that was one of those things that I'm like, oh, I'm going to be lying here dead for eight hours and, you know, Nick's not even going to be checking on me in the morning. And when he got home, he was like he could tell I was looking at him a bit weird and he's like, oh, what, have you had like a rough weekend with the girls? I was like, the girls were perfect. We had so much fun. And then I had to be like, I've come to the conclusion that I think when you go away, I need to organise sleepovers because this isn't. It's not functional and it's not sustainable. Like if you go for more than one night, I can't parent on my own with no sleep. And I'm like, I think I just need to admit it and come up with strategies rather than just being like, stop it. You're being stupid get over yourself you're a grown adult who has two children go the fuck to sleep
0: and the reason we wanted to share this experience is because I think we want people to be aware like Sophie wasn't aware that she was actually afraid of the dark or scared of being home alone and I said to her I said just get sleepovers like it makes it so much more comfortable and tell the person the reason that I want you over is actually for security and also because you make me feel comfortable because I really struggle being home alone and that person like your brother he would have been like oh yeah like absolutely I'd love to like just to feel like you're helping someone is a plus so for anyone out there that is worried about and you know can have a friend anyone anyone at all, or you can go to someone's house to make it easier so you can have a little bit of a rest, go and do it. But I want to take my hat off to the FIFO parents out there, the single parents out there, anyone that does stay home alone because I have always just admired people who can do that and always admiring people who can travel on their own because it's just a big fear of mine. Yeah, same. Huh. Wow. Huh. Anyway, let's get back on to mum.
1: Hacks. I know. I'm going to stop talking about my childhood turned into adulthood fears. I laughed so hard at this screenshot that came in this week for a mum hack. It said, try playing What's on My Butt, where you lay on your stomach and you get your kids to put things on your butt and you have to guess what <laughs> it is. And then dad comes in. What? Is that wrong, Tao? Was that an
0: innuendo? Yeah. Yuck! From the back end.
1: Right, well, moving on to today's episode. Oh, but
0: you can say something dirty
1: last episode. (laughs) The kids are still in the room. Yeah,
0: I told you (laughs) that was fine
1: moving on to today's episode we are chatting to the incredible Claire Holt we had such a blast talking to her we want to be her best friend we're being a bit Sophie does I am her best friend you already are her best friend now you're pretty excited about this one why is that okay not only me but
0: my daughter Mia is an absolute H2O fan. So H2O is a series that Claire did when she was 16 years of age, and it is literally made a comeback and a half. It's on Netflix, I think. And it is just something my children and every eight-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old seems to be watching and I've had a cup of tea many a times and sat and watched
1: and yeah I'm excited to chat with her today. And if you're not into H2O just add water you may also know her from Vampire Diaries, The Originals, Pretty Little Liars and Untitled Horror Movie and you also may just know her from Instagram because she's incredible on there about sharing her motherhood journey so we hope you love this chat as much as we did. Hello Claire thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump. We're super excited to chat with you today. Now, for those that don't know you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your family and your kids? Sure.
2: My name is Claire Holt. I am from, that's not about my family, That's about me. Um, I'm from Australia. I have two kids. Uh, they're two and one. So my son, James, is two and my daughter Elle just turned one. And it's kind of mayhem right now. <laughs> my
0: house um can you please let us know the age gap of this 17 months (gasps) minus 16 months I feel you yeah
1: and minus 21 months I was like it's not even a competition I need to be a part of I'm happy to bow out of this one and you two can have it because I'm not interested
0: Claire just got thrown out of her seat she literally (laughs) just went about 10 meters back
2: I have chills I don't like the people who have children 12 months apart
1: or 13 or whatever mind-blowing to me I don't understand how it's possible so that means conception was when your first was around eight months old yes exactly it's wild but we'll get into that I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves keep going tell us about your family
2: so we live in America Uh, between sort of Los Angeles and Miami but we're in Miami right now and James just had his first day of kindy today. I mean yesterday was his first day but it was only 15 minutes so it didn't really count. Today (laughs) was his first like drop off, up. I was an emotional wreck. I still a bit of a basket case but it was. And how did he go
1: because he'd be a little pandemic baby?
2: I know he was actually great. He was nervous at the drop off and I tried to keep it together and then spent an hour crying in the car. <laughs> and then when I picked him up, he was totally fine. He had a great time. Oh, bless him. him. And did he sleep? He didn't really sleep after, to be honest. I think he was like just so jazzed about his day and wanted to keep playing.
1: It was great. And did you do something for yourself or did you just sit crying cry
2: in the car? That, in my car and cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. so wild because people kept saying to me yesterday, did you cry the 15 minute day? Did you cry? Were you so emotional? I was like, no, it's what? Why would I cry? I'm so happy. He's, it's great for him. He's happy. He's excited. And today I just couldn't keep it inside. I don't know what, what it was.
1: Oh, well, I'm proud of you all. And you both, (laughs) (laughs) you got through it. And I promise after a few days, you'll get to the point where you go, okay, Bah, gonna think about myself, wave yeah, them off like, at the ah, door. I up at 6 a.m.? Yeah, oh, well, whenever, because I've got two girls and they both go to daycare now a couple of days a week. And I used to be like, you know, I'll pick them up at two. Da 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 da. My youngest one, her daycare closes at five. And every time she's there, I'm like, speeding. No, I'm not really. <laughs> going the speed limit but I am like flooring it there to get there before she's just left out on the street I'm like it's two to five (laughs) I'm picking her up every time I'm like oh
2: whoops (laughs) that's gonna be me probably I was very early today but I think uh
0: It'll, I'll settle you down. You will settle a down. Bit. And isn't it funny? Because it's actually, I think that the children actually do better than what the parents do when we start daycare. Sure. Like, we're al- already thinking about the stresses and the anxieties where they're just literally playing with blocks and, like, oh, this is cool.
2: Having the time of their lives, yeah. friends, like, it's n- good for yeah, them. I know. That's why I kept telling myself. Yeah. But. It was a big day. Oh,
0: doll. It was a big day for mum. <gasps> oh, my goodness. My daughter got one-on-one time, which was nice for her. Oh, while you were crying in the car, she just watched <laughs> you. <laughs> really nice. She got to watch. me I'm in her glass. Of beer, Grigio. Here you go, mum. She's well trained. 9am. <laughs> <9 a>. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Now, I have a big fangirl of yours at home because you are also known as Emma from H2O. I'm sure you love yes. to be reminded. Yeah, and don't worry. Really, my
2: formative years, my 16-year-old self. <laughs> Babe. I have watched I you a million times. That's what I want immortalized forever. <laughs> to be honest, you still look 16. I know, you're doing well. Guys, right. um, yeah, it it wasn't my finest look or moment, but kids seem to love it.
0: So I showed her a photo of you and she's like, Mum do you know who that is? And I'm like, who, child? And she's like, that's Emma. And I'm like, oh.
1: It's going to be the only episode that Mia listens to. Normally she's like, yeah, mum, I don't care about your work. But this time she's going to be like, I've never been so proud of you, mum. <laughs> oh, she? She's eight. Hey,
2: oh, that's, that's prime oh, age. Oh, yeah, prime. Prime age. Prime.
1: It's amazing that it has stayed so popular I mean I hear about the show H2O all the time one of my friends she's got a four-year-old boy and he's obsessed with it and has been trying to recruit my three and a half year old girl who's really into mermaids but she's more into animation kind of stuff at the moment H2O is just way too realistic for her (laughs) um But it's just amazing. I thought there must have been a a reboot, but no, it's still you, girl. It's
2: still wild. We obviously never thought that that would happen. I mean, I was 16 and it was a little 4 4 p.m. time slot on Channel 10 and I thought it would, you know, just come and go and it was my first job and I was excited, but it's really had a life,
1: a long life. (laughs) Long life. Now, can we take it back to kind of the start of your motherhood journey? I imagine you know you're an actress in the industry you're in, as with a lot of industries. But I think especially in yours, it must be a big call when you're like, "Look, I'm I'm ready to start a family," Mm. because I guess there's probably not many. Jobs that you can do, like as a pregnant woman, and then the postpartum period, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. How did you know you were kind of ready to take that step?
2: You know, I don't know that I was entirely ready. My husband really felt ready and really wanted to have kids. And I think I was sort of in this place where I've always wanted to be a mother. And obviously, like, I know that it's the greatest gift on earth to have children, but I just, my career was in my head and I didn't know how I was going to be able to make it work. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to film when I was pregnant because, you know, no one's going to hire a pregnant lady, unfortunately. And I knew that, you know, it might be tricky after the fact because I didn't want to schlep my kids all over the place to different locations. And I also just went, you know, I have to trust that women manage and women figure this out and, you know, I'll figure it out just like everybody else has before me. I still haven't really figured it out. So (laughs) I'm working on it, but it was definitely one of those situations where I was like, I'm in love. I want to have a family. I don't really know what it's going to look like, but we'll just try, you know?
1: Yeah. And did you have friends around you who'd kind of like modeled it that you could look up to? Or? many
2: of my friends had had kids at that point. Most specifically, not many of my friends in the same industry. So that was something that I wasn't really sure about, but I, I just felt like I needed to do it and I needed to have this little soul in my life. And what's crazy is I cannot believe it was JJ, my son. Like he, he, I'm meant to be his mom. He's meant to be my son. Like the timing was perfect. And I'm sure everyone says that about every child, but I really just feel like this wild connection with that kid and it just feels right, you know?
0: It's like, it's this like internal urge that like I had, especially with my third, that I was like, I don't know what it is, but I just really, it needs to happen. Yeah, you just, you get that. That thing that you're like, it's well, is it a maternal instinct? I don't know what it is. I don't know. Is is it biological?
2: Is it like some? I don't know. I have no idea what it is because obviously, like pregnancy and childbirth and postpartum, it's traumatic as (laughs) fuck.
1: But it's your time. It, it must be just your time. It's saying you. And, I, and it makes me feel for anyone with, you know, fertility issues, because I feel like once you've kind of made that internal decision, it's kind of all you can think about. Like you plan, like, what's the month going to be nine months from now? Like, what do I see that looking like? Da, 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 da. And I think our whole life, it's kind of drummed into us that, like, oh, if you have unprotected sex, you will be pregnant. And so you kind of have this thing where you're like, I'm going to start trying now and it's going to be so easy. And, you know, for so many women that's not the case so it does it just kind of overrides everything
2: I think that was what was so traumatic for me about my miscarriage because I'd made this decision to have a child and I really wanted to do it and then once I found out that I was pregnant I started to plan. Like my life changed. Mm. That was it. Like I was going to be a mother. I was going to have a family and the due date and this is what we will mm. This is where we'll be. And so when I lost that baby, it was just the most earth shattering feeling for me that like something that I'd never, never, ever experienced. I'd lost people in my life, but I'd never experienced that kind of grief because it was, you know, loss and then shattered dreams and guilt mm. and all of those things combined, just compounded and, and made everything so so tough.
1: Yeah. Having had a miscarriage myself as well, I think it's that added layer of your mourning what could have been rather than I feel like with other loss and, and never downplaying any other loss or grief, but you're kind of mourning your memories. Whereas with a miscarriage, right. you're mourning the loss of being able to make memories. Right. And I think
2: that, you know, I I didn't have any kids at that point. And I just was so afraid that I never would be able to, and that that was going to be my journey. And, you know, I did all those crazy things. Like I went on every blog post and every website and like all of these women talking about, I've had three miscarriages, four miscarriages. And and I was like, that's going to be my path. I'm just never going to have children, have multiple miscarriages. And I just need to come to terms with it, which is such like, obviously that wasn't true for me, but it's so hard to sort of pull yourself out of that when you're in it.
0: And was it, was it hard or was it easy for you to conceive your children?
2: So uh, after my miscarriage, I miscarried about 11 weeks, I guess. And oh, wow.
0: That's, that's yeah. quite far Yeah, we along. had a heartbeat yeah. and we
2: had like multiple appointments and then it was just a mis- miscarriage. So I went in one day for a scan on my husband's birthday and I was oh. like, no well, so fun, we'll go in on your birthday, we'll see the heartbeat, we'll do the genetic testing, whatever. And uh, there was just no heartbeat so that was pretty rough and then I I didn't feel ready again I conceived James five months after and I didn't feel ready again until like that month that we tried yeah I know that my husband was you know he was incredible and so supportive and he wanted to sort of try right away but obviously was very respectful of the fact that I was like I can't I can't go through that again no so, you know, I had some irregular cycles and I think it was maybe like two or three after the fact, I was like, okay, I, I feel ready. And, mm. you know, I, we didn't put pressure on ourselves about it. We were on vacation and I just tried to sort of have fun with my husband. I'd just gotten back from a job in China, which was really intense and exhausting. So I was like, look, I'm just going to drink wine,
1: eat bread. Ooh, yeah, get pregnant, And we did. Amazing. And so finding out at 11 weeks, did that mean that, like, did you need a DNC or what was the process from there? Because I think a lot of women don't really know, like, okay, so you found out you've had a miscarriage. What now?
2: So they gave I had an incredible doctor. She was amazing. And she just gave me the option of trying to miscarry naturally, Mm -hmm. but said that there was no guarantee that everything would pass. And it's so it's like really dark to talk about it. Or I could go and have the DNC. And it would be complete and they would make sure that, you know, everything was gone and I would be healthy and I would, you know, that would set me up for my future pregnancies if I Mm. wanted it. And obviously she said, like, it's a very emotional decision and it's up to you. And part of me thought, you know, but what if there's some chance and, like, what if there's a little bit of hope and maybe she scanned it wrong and maybe, like, there was actually a heartbeat and she just missed it or whatever and I was really distraught over the fact that like you know what if I'm going to go and have this surgery and there's still a baby that's alive in there and you know obviously I talked to my husband and I realized you know I had false hope and that wasn't going to happen and then we did test the tissue and I found out that there was a chromosomal issue so it was actually really great Ah. for me because I knew that it wasn't my fault. Because up until that point, I just thought, well, was it because I went for a run or was it because I drank glass of wine before I found out I was pregnant or, you know, all of those crazy things. Well, I just thought that I'd done something and that my body wasn't able to do what I should have been able to do. And so it was really healing for me to be able to find out that like this yeah. never survived. It had a really intense genetic issue. And if I'd gone along further, I could have given birth, but it would never have, loved, you know, it wouldn't have lived.
0: Yeah. So-
1: Yeah. And do you have any, uh, I guess, tips for any women out there who may be listening, who have had a miscarriage or I think a really common question we get asked is how can I help a friend who's Mm -hmm. going through this? I mean, it's so common, but often when you're in it, it's such a lonely place.
2: I guess for me, uh, connecting with other people was huge. I spoke about it pretty publicly And I was really scared to do that because I thought, well, people are going to think I'm doing this for attention, or I'm going to get shamed for this, or, you know, I'm oversharing, but I also just felt this really strong drive. Like I found comfort reading other women's stories online. So I'm going to share my story and I hope that people comfort. And what was mind blowing to me were the number of comments from women and men, many men talking about, you know, their wives miscarriage or the self or the sister, you know, there were so many people who shared their story and I found such comfort in that. And I also opened up and I know my husband did too to work colleagues and everyone had a story, like someone knew someone or had experienced it themselves. And that really helped me. And I think what I would say to someone trying to comfort a friend is try not to minimize it, you know, because. Before I had a miscarriage I was like well you know it's nature and it wasn't meant to be and all of those things that you think before you experience yourself and then when I went through it I really realized like you no know, this is one of the most intense experiences that a woman can go through and you have to just acknowledge that and say it sucks I'm so sorry mm-hmm. it sucks and and you don't deserve this and you shouldn't have to go through this and I'm here for you if you want to talk about it or you don't want to talk about it if you want to cry if you want to anything I, I'm here. And I think that really helped. And then, you know, just finding support groups or finding yeah. places online that you can go and read stories and see positive stories of women who've been through that and now have a beautiful family. I think that's what really helps.
1: I think that, you know, as an outsider, you just want to make the person feel better or make the whole situation better. And I think you just have to know that you can't. And, you know, when I had a miscarriage before. I'd had kids too, and it was the first time we had tried to conceive. And so, you know, like a natural thing for lots of people to say, we're like, oh, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant really easily um so you're probably going to get pregnant really easily again and but all of me just wanted that baby. I was like, I don't care about that other baby I might conceive. And, of course, now that I have those children, it all makes sense and I'm I'm glad it happened because it made way for the family I now have. But when you're in it, you're like, I don't want that other baby. I want that that one that I had fallen in love with. And there's no, like, at least, you know. You wouldn't no. say that someone who's
2: lost a, a relative or a husband or a parent or something, you wouldn't say, well, at least. Yeah. You had them. Like, we know, we know that, but like, Mm. also important to grieve, and it's also important to feel things and not bury things, and not, you don't want to be made to feel better. And I think that that was like one of the amazing things that my husband did for me. He never tried to make me feel better. He just let me, like, lie in my bed and shut my door, and I didn't come out, and he would just sit there and he would check on me, and he would. You know, tell me he loved me and try to help, but he never tried to no. hurry the process and tried mm. to get me to move on. You know, and it it truly strengthened our relationship uh, going through that together.
0: I bet, and I, I also think that you know there is a lot of downsides to social media and and talking, but the one of the the best perks to social media and obviously podcast and things like this is that we're starting to have these conversations that haven't been spoken about and you know people are starting to find out how we can respond in the right way and how we can manage relationships a little bit and better and you're not alone yeah and absolutely you're not alone
1: like i remember i went through it i i was really open about it just because i'm a i am an oversharer i'm a talker that's how i deal with any of my issues and I would you know if people say to me how are you I'm one of those people that I'm like well you asked I'm not just gonna (laughs) say good and I would tell them and as much as it was comforting that so many people around me had experienced or had a very close loved one experience it it almost made me mad because I'm like why has it taken me to go through this to like not that anyone is like has to be open about this but I was kind of like why if this is so common is it not being talked about more like why because you know I, like why am I shame associated with it right like and, yeah. and historically
2: people felt like if, if they'd done something wrong or it was shameful or taboo to talk about it or they, they didn't want to share that experience whereas I think now we have so much more information and access and it's not as shameful as it used to be but it's it's true you know you don't know often what people are going through Mm. and that's something that I try and remind myself every day like someone may be having a really awful day or be really rude to me yeah I just don't know what their life is and what they're going through so I just try and
1: like wish them well and hope that they find peace you know when they're leaning on their <laughs> horn on you you just go okay you're going through something it's not my driving it Really hurts
2: people is I'll be like hi have a great day hope you're doing well and it drives yeah I'll wind down my window I'll like and it gets people
1: kill so them with annoyed kindness annoyed
2: because what are they going to do like swear at me for waving and being friendly
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Just drive I off, feel like that is so lady. like
1: Aussie of you. Yeah, that <laughs> is just like like someone's shitty at you, so you give them the thumbs up instead. No, usually
0: Aussie <laughs> would be giving the bird yeah. and then beeping the yeah, horn. You, get, that you would might be get shot in
1: America for that, honestly. So I yeah, just, true, true, I'm not true, true. Away. No, stay with your tactics, yeah. please.
0: So, how were your pregnancies
1: and your births?
2: My first pregnancy was rough because I just was so anxious all the time. And I'm mm. waiting for something mm. to go wrong. And every scan, my blood pressure was th- through the roof because I was like, well, is this going to be the scan that they tell me that I don't have a baby? And I don't, I, I always expected it would get better at the next scan. You know, if I just make it to 12 weeks, if I just make it to 20 yeah. weeks, okay, well, if I get to viability and then if I get to thriveability, and, you know, I just kept like Setting these milestones for myself, and I was like, "Well, when I get there, I'll feel good." And to be honest, mm. I never felt like I was having a baby until he was in my arms. Because wow, I didn't trust it. And the delivery was pretty hairy, to be honest. So it, I had a twenty-three-hour labor with him, and oh, wow. he was sunny-side up. So we we flipped him, but then he was like a big baby. So he had a shoulder dystocia, and he got stuck in the way out. I have an amazing OB and I have a birth video of it actually because I had a dou- an incredible doula as well who helped me through the birth and she filmed the birth and it is so insane to watch but at the time I didn't really know what was <laughs> happening I just was like well I guess this is childbirth, but, you know, there's, like, nurses pushing on my stomach, my legs are by my ears, <laughs> and, like, the doctor's hand is inside my body trying to get this
0: baby. Glamorous is it what you're something you saying. never thought would ever be in I, – I never, ever thought that I could fit more than a tampon up there. Obviously, <laughs> then I had sex. But then after that
1: – I was going to say, you're full height than smaller than a tampon.
0: <laughs> but then I had, I had an obstetrician fist. Like, he was, like – yeah, my, his arm. arm was up there, arm. turning yeah. and going, and I'm like, oh, I can't get back from this. I know.
2: That's what I thought too. I had the rule that my husband had to be, like, north of the border. So if you see how large this becomes, I'm not sure that we can cover. Are you? No. You're never going to look at me the same. Uh, yeah, if someone ever hacked my phone and found my birth video, they're going to be like, Traumatized for life. Like I yeah. will never happen. You can have it back.
1: Um, yeah, give it give them all back. They're like, I'm gonna stop searching for nudes. I did not sign it's up.
2: For
1: really it's like my nude toddler and
2: then my spreading eagle birth video. <laughs> so that that pregnancy and delivery was tricky. And then the postpartum period was awful for me with James. I had really, really bad postpartum anxiety. I thought he was gonna suffocate constantly. I would like run my hand around the bassinet and like make sure his face wasn't on the side all night long. I, I thought I would drop him down the stairs. I thought that he wasn't getting enough food. And he had this milk protein allergy. So he would scream. And I didn't know how to comfort him. And I had such a hard time with breastfeeding. Every time I fed him, he would be in pain and I just really struggled. And then when he was three months old, I made the decision to stop breastfeeding because I couldn't figure this feeding allergy situation out. I gave him formula and he turned into a different baby. He was super happy. He started sleeping more and I sort of forgave myself for torturing myself over breastfeeding and that journey. And then with Elle, everything was just 10 times easier. Like the pregnancy was easier, I think because I also had a toddler to run around after and I didn't have time to worry as much. You're occupied, much, yeah. Yeah. The birth was longer, weirdly. It was 27 hours with her. I had another situation where she was sunny side up, so I think it must be something to do with my janky pelvis. I can't get down. Um, <laughs> she came out eventually. I actually – the doctor came in. I was like, you have to cut her out. I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I had gone for like – 19 hours without an epidural because I was trying to be some weird woman which was so stupid so then I got the epidural and then my leg went numb and I just was like emotionally spent my husband had a great sleep on the cot next to me though so he was doing fine
0: (laughs) he's like they always
2: do a full eight hour night right next to me and so she came in I was like cut her cut her out I can't and then she said well you're 10 centimeters so do you want to try it oh wow and she came out in five minutes So that was good. And then the postpartum period with her was also much easier. I still struggled mentally with breastfeeding. It turns me into a crazy person, to be honest. I'm just anxious. I'm always like, I'm obsessive about how much they're getting. Are they latching right? Uh, You know, am I eating something that's making them cry? And after a month, my husband said, hey, I, I don't think this is good for you. And obviously I'll support you, but this isn't really working for you. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's not. And I don't have to do this. And so I stopped after a month with her.
0: And it must be something that you can, the satisfaction of seeing a bottle, like you can see how much she's getting for you to be able to relax. Exactly.
2: And I think that I knew then I also, you know, I felt like I could connect with her more. Like when I was feeding her this bottle, I could look in her eyes and I was peaceful and I felt like calm. Whereas when she was on my breast, I was like always like trying to look at her eyes and, you know, trying to figure her out and she would move. And I, I, you know, I was in so much pain and I had bleeding nipples and I just, I couldn't feel at ease. And I really do believe she felt that. And James probably felt that too. Mm. Like I was so stressed all the time.
1: Yeah, she felt it. Some people legitimately get a dysphoric yeah. reflex from breastfeeding, though. Like some people get an overwhelming, I think it's oxytocin while they breastfeed and it makes them feel calm and sleepy. And some people have the opposite. And I wonder I wonder. If, you know,
2: I read about that. And then I, of course, because this is my personality, I was like, well, I'm not as bad as this woman that I'm reading about who yeah. tried the whole time. So that can't be me. You know, I'm mm. bad at it. I just told myself, you're just bad at this, you know, you're not like, which is, I've obviously done a lot of therapy and like, I've worked through it and figured out like, no, it's a really hard thing to learn. And for some women it's easy. And for some women it's not, and it doesn't make me any less of a mother
0: and my kids are amazing and strong and they're beautiful healthy. oh thank you they're you know they're healthy and also the perks of you even having this conversation and just there are so many women out there that are very worried what people may think because obviously the main thing is fed is best and we say this a lot in the podcast but the more people like yourself have stories about you know what it just wasn't for me and and we're so lucky in this world that we have another option. I mean, we have about a billion options of formula, but, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we have problem. these options and it's so good and everyone's happy.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I even felt that I felt shame, like giving my son a bottle when he was eight weeks old or something. I was, I went to some mum group And I was a mess. Everyone could see I was a mess. And they were all sitting around going, oh, I love my baby so much. And it's so easy. I didn't realize it would be so easy. Meanwhile, I'm like seizing, shaking, (laughs) losing my mind. And I was so ashamed that someone would look at me and think, oh, she couldn't do it. She's giving a baby a bottle. And that's why I think I'm so vocal now about the fact that Mm. I was a better mother when I stopped trying to live up to whatever ridiculous standard that I myself. And I just went, you know what? It didn't work and it's okay. And I love my kids. And whether I give them formula or chicken nuggets or a milkshake or ice cream or whatever they fine, and they're going to have a mom who loves them and plays with them and is engaged with them and is present and happy. And I think that like, that's a really good gift that I can give them and myself.
1: And Absolutely. do you think that um, with James, that postpartum anxiety, do you think part of that was related to having previously had a miscarriage or any kind of like unresolved trauma from the birth? Or do you think that was just kind of in your personality and it was a new experience?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, I, I had already had this anxiety throughout my pregnancy and I had told myself, well, if the baby comes, then I'll be okay. And the baby comes up yeah. I'm fine and I wasn't. And so that kind of like started me spinning. And also just my mm. whole life, I've kind of, I've dealt with anxiety. You know, I left home at a really young age and I was in an industry where like I got constantly rejected and told no and that, you know, something about me wasn't good enough. And so I just had, I'm type A in the sense that I want to do the best job I possibly can. And I am also like an anxious person. So I think- Motherhood is the wildest example of like not being able to control anything and just having to be peaceful about it. And, and not, you're not going to be perfect, you're just never going to be perfect. And so it was a huge lesson for me.
0: I'm still learning and I'm a mother of three and the oldest is eight. And even I was just saying to Sophie before we came on, I had postnatal depression and anxiety with my third child and I get like stages throughout the year where it gets It's just, it obviously turns into depression, anxiety, but I get big chunks of it throughout the year. It just overwhelms me. And obviously, in a time where we're in a pandemic and there's just weird, odd things going on, but parenting in this time and trying to do all the things and be perfect not that i'm trying but i am also type a where i like to have everything done i like to make sure that i'm ticking off boxes as well as being a really good mum and i've fallen apart and now this week i just surrendered and was actually present with the girls because that's all they want me to be is present yeah and it's been so kind on me and it's also been so kind on them because they've had mum not yelling and not worrying about all these stupid things that I usually worry about because I've I've had to just stop yeah. I've had to just slow down all they and it's care been about really nice. you know
2: and and the thing yeah. is, like they're going through it with this pandemic as well and I think we have to try and cut ourselves some slack because we're living with this simmering level of anxiety and unknowing and you know we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like like we none of us have ever lived through something like this so Already, our baseline is just like out of whack. And then we're trying to figure out how to manage children through this and keep them safe and, and, you know, still let them socialize and develop in the way that we think that they should. And it's just, it's really tough. And so, the only way that I've found, and it seems like the same thing that you've discovered, is like you just have to try and be present with them and connect with them. and nothing else really matters they don't care they're not and i remind myself of when i was a kid like what do i remember what are my strong memories mm, yeah that's a big thing it's you know my my mom taking me camping and my dad playing basketball with me
0: yeah, not mum vacuuming the floor. None of that. I and folding I was my clothes. In the house was.
2: It could I'm sure it was spotless because my mum's like that, but I have zero recollection of that. I don't care at all. You know, I just care about these yeah. memories. And so I try and, you know, bring that to my own experience.
1: I think it is important to talk about it and delve deeper into it, like you have, because I feel like I think we're three type A personalities <laughs> all speaking to one another. Who, you know, pre kids were very used to having our life a certain way and right. being in control and but I think the hardest thing is people just go, oh, well, when you become a mother, you just have to surrender. And it's like what the fuck does that and even mean? And they do say it like that like like to... who I am completely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just don't hit. be okay. you <laughs> and throw this little <laughs> grenade on your life and you'll be fine. No. And it's like you do- And it's life and death, by the way. Like you have to keep this thing alive. <laughs> yes. So that no pressure, but
2: they rely on you to live.
1: No pressure, <laughs> but you're just going to take this little thing home from the hospital. No one's going to be checking on you and yeah, good luck, <laughs> good luck and just surrender. Yep, just- <laughs> but you do, you have to say like, so how can you decrease that pressure? How can you decrease those expectations? Like, you know, and then on top of that, as you say, this simmering baseline of anxiety. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone else is a type A out there who just rolls their eyes when anyone says surrender, we feel you. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Now, being in the spotlight, did you feel any unrealistic expectations around your postpartum body? I did.
2: And I also like had this crazy feeling of respect for my body. So when I gave birth, it was the first time I ever looked in the mirror and really loved it what I saw you know growing up in the industry I had had many comments about my weight and my body image but for years and years people had either told me to lose weight or you know that I I should have looked a certain way or that I needed to sort of stay in shape because it was part of my contract so yeah oh, it was God. ridiculous so <laughs> so i had always had this fractured relationship where I never really loved what I saw and then I gave birth and I was like, wow, I've done something that's not just what I look like. Like my body is not just an image anymore. It's created life and it's created the most mm. important thing that's ever happened to me. So in one sense, I was so proud of it and I, I didn't care. And then, you know, the flip side of that is I gained more than the recommended amount, James, and I saw a lot of images online of, of women who snapped back and who had flat stomachs and who, you know, I had a massive pooch. I still looked pregnant when I went home and two weeks later and a month later. And, and so that was kind of hard for me. And I, you know, from my miscarriage, i had gained some weight and then I lost it. And then I gained it again, the pregnancy, and then I lost it. So I'd, I'd seen my body in all these different shapes. And it was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do a collaboration with Andy swim on, on this swim brand and this, this line, because I felt like I really had a voice, you know, and I felt like I could, I knew what made me feel supported and what made me feel comfortable. And I wanted to be able to, you know, enjoy my body on the beach Mm. and in subsequent pregnancies, if I'm lucky enough to have them. And in the postpartum period, like I wanted to feel comfortable and supported and, you know, it's not something that I had ever sort of envisioned for myself, but after having babies, I thought, you know, we need to be celebrated and we need to love our bodies and, and be thankful for what they've done for us. And, and I want to be able to like, be a part of that. So, you know, I, I definitely have a much better relationship with my body now than I did growing up and that's also like thanks to a lot of therapy as well but I know that it's going to change again if I'm lucky enough to have another child and I'm okay I think you know what's so helpful is so many women are sharing their real experiences and they're not shy to say like yeah I I still carry this weight or this is what my stomach looks like my actually my friend Emily Sky fit is her Instagram, Emily Sky, is amazing at that because she's a fitness influencer and she has this, she shows everything and she shows like all of the skin that we all have that's like stretched out now. And she's in amazing shape and she's so fit, but she doesn't shy away from being like, no, I, my stomach stretched out a lot. I have a lot of excess skin, but it's beautiful. It gave me my baby. So I think we live in a world where it's more acceptable now to be who you are and look who you are and you don't have to Photoshop or hide. And it got, I, you know, Photoshop is like the devil, to be honest, but you don't have to hide anything. But I think, you know, also the pressure still exists for sure.
1: Yeah. I think it goes two ways. I think, you know, we see so many images nowadays and it's amazing because we are seeing more of that real postpartum life and the real postpartum bodies and all of that. But at the same time, then we are also seeing all these unrealistic expectations at the same time. And yeah, it can be, I mean, I'm, Pretty big on saying, like, just curate. So, if, say, for example, on Instagram, just like curate who you follow or who you see for that stage of your life. Like, if you are struggling to conceive, you are well within your right to mute anyone you follow who's, you know, talking about their pregnancy because just as they're able to talk about their pregnancy you don't have to hear about their pregnancy or if if you're really struggling with a postpartum body and you follow someone who, you know, due to genetics or whatever was able to quote unquote bounce back, you you don't have to ingest that like and that is within your control but I know that when you're in a vulnerable situation that can be, you know, hard to do. It's
2: hard to see straight sometimes. I Even now, like I feel like I'm really, you know, I'm a year postpartum and I went and unfollowed a bunch of people the other day and I still feel weird about it I'm like oh I shouldn't do this and someone's getting upset and they're gonna wonder why I'm doing this and blah, blah blah I'm like you know what no it, d- it just doesn't serve me and it's okay and I'm allowed to set boundaries and I'm allowed to like say okay that doesn't work for me like in fact there was an account that posted breast is best
0: and I was like unfollow yeah that narrative
2: doesn't work for me
0: you should follow me I'm cool
2: <laughs> I think I do follow you
0: okay cool I'm just checking <laughs> That was a test. <laughs> Jade's like, I'm kid. off to check now. <laughs> now I have to ask the question. Go. And it might be. I'm
1: scared. Where's this going? No, I have I'm to. I'm asking the up.
0: question. Why did my vagina go back? No. Yes. Oh well, I'm glad yours oh. did. <laughs> why? <laughs> <I
1: think. laughs> unless, so your husband my says. Lying to me, I Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now it's fine, babe. Um, why did you choose the 17 month gap? I tried to word that in the nicest way possible. Why no. the hell? Why the fuck <laughs> did you do it?
2: <laughs> so, to be completely honest with you, I had thought that I was going to do this one job and I was obsessed with working again after I had James. I was like, I need to get, you know, make sh- my career happen. And I went out really far down the line on this one specific project when James was about seven months old, eight months old, and it didn't work out. And I was so devastated. And I was like, I don't know who I am. If I'm not an actress, I don't know what I'm going to be if I don't do this. And then I, my husband and I talked and we were like, you know what? The only thing that brings me Mm. this much joy in my life is family. And the greatest thing to ever happen to me was James. And I think this is showing me like that wasn't meant to be at this time. And we're just going to try for another kid. And if it happens, that's meant to be. And if it doesn't happen, it was literally one month. We were in Australia visiting for Christmas and I was like, we'll just try when we're in Australia and then we'll go back to America and I can reevaluate, I can figure myself out, I can figure out if I want to go back to work right now or not. And I got pregnant and then the pandemic hit and I was like wow this was honestly yeah. perfect timing and it was yeah. meant to be. How good. And how has that age gap been? You know it has its pros and cons. <laughs> so I think it was great because he James wasn't that jealous because he wasn't really a toddler yet. And he was so young that he didn't have like so much of his life where he was the only one. So I felt like he he welcomed her, but it was also insane. Like yes. two kids and nappies just I mean you you know what it's like it's I mental do. and then the sleep schedules and he's napping and she's napping and he's got to eat fucked. she's got to have a bottle but th- you do know. you know but you're in it don't yeah, you reckon that's nah. one of the things that I say yeah like, but you're
0: in it yes yeah, well, you're, you're in it, it but it's still like because they're at slightly different ages but they are so dependent on you it's incredibly challenging because you're just literally going from one age to another and you're like juggling like this is my example that I give people when I was breastfeeding Meeting, Mia because at that age, 16 months, 17 months, they're like, you think, Oh, I'm gonna feel so bad when I give birth to my second child because they're gonna be so upset that I've got. They are the ones that are getting the attention. They are the ones that, like, yeah. it's the baby exactly. that doesn't get attention. It's the baby that
2: suffers. That's what I think. You know, when I dropped James off today, hey, I was yeah. like, Oh, this poor thing she's never been on her own (laughs) and
0: she like Mia I just I'll never forget this I was feeding Billy and Mia just was like mommy poo and I'm like oh just wait babe because I'm I'm just feeding your sister and no 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 she just she was like doing a little strip show taking off that nappy it was poo and it went everywhere and it's like she's not listening (gasps) like she's not comprehending anything I'm saying she's she's deliberately doing this and I can't do a thing about it yeah, no,
2: it's it's intense, but also, I how what's the gap between your oldest two?
0: Okay, so they're the oldest two are sixteen months, and then I have a four and a half gap. But I've got to tell you because I know that your children are young still. Yeah, this has been as incredibly hard as this age gap was. This has been the best thing that I have ever done in my life because the rewards of
1: their relationship. Has outweighed the effort. And I even think now, so my two are 23 months apart, so like two under two as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Not quite as insane as you two, but I have found all of a sudden, so my two are just over 18 months and three and a half. And I'm already finding the reward in that their needs are getting more and more similar as time goes on. So as my younger one, Goldie, becomes more of a toddler. It's like you can put the same show on and they're happy. They play yep. with similar things. They want to eat the, sa- the same eat the things, same you know, things. like like now that Goldie can eat kind of like a full diet rather than like just baby food. Right. So they can eat the same things. If we go out and I have, you know, snacks for them, it's the same things. They're same happy snacks. to go to the same park. And I'm all of a sudden feeling like, oh, it's really rewarding that they're both, into and just have just have similar demands whereas before this I was like oh my gosh the demands of a toddler and a baby are intense all of a sudden I'm like oh I've got two kind of toddlers and this is doable
2: it's totally I said that to my friend the other day because we had our first and second babies together and I was like finally I feel like I can sit them down they can eat at the same time the same thing they can play together I don't feel like I'm like one of them suffering if I put them in the same room it just feels like okay I feel like I'm getting the hang of this which is why now I'm a psychopath and I'm like oh let's just (laughs) add a third to the mix why not maybe twins
1: and what I also say to other women um about you know close age gaps because you know people are always like when do I know when to go again like You're not going to know any difference. That is going to be your life. And you will do it because you kind of have to. And I'm not saying that in a way of like suffer in silence or like don't ask for help. Of course ask for help, but... You will right. do it. And then, you know, like Figure I'm sure out. Jade can attest to this, that like she's had a bigger gap between the second and the third and there's pros and cons with that too. There's there's no gap that's going to work with every family. My mother, no, not my mother-in-law. Well, she probably would too, but my sister-in-law always
0: asks me, like when she comes over and hangs out with my three girls, she's like, babe, I just don't know how you do it. Like I just don't know how you do it. And I'm like, I, I, it's not that I don't, like I don't have a choice. Like, that's where I'm at. Sure. I don't like, I chose to have them, but yeah. now that they're here, this is it. I have, like, I can't be like, ah, fuck it, you know, who cares anymore? They're there. <laughs> I have to feed them. I have yeah. to clothe them. Yeah. And they'll let you know
1: <laughs> when they need to be fed.
0: <laughs> so it is, it's intense. But, you know, with the third, it's hard for me because I, I went through, I had postnatal depression yeah. and anxiety, and it was quite extreme. And, It really shifted the dynamic of how I parented because I was such a hands-on mum and I was happy to do everything on my own and all of a sudden I couldn't do that. I had to rely on a lot of people to help me. I had to help myself. I had to get other people to help me. I felt disappointed that I couldn't do what I used to do and then I just had to realise that this was my new normal And everything has changed and that is okay. And I can't expect to raise three children and do all the things that I used to do with these beautiful little humans. So I've had to change my mindset and I'm still working on doing that because I sometimes I get really, really empowered and I'm like, I'm on fire. I can do this, I can take on that and then I explode. Like I just, yeah. I fall apart. I think we
2: all do. Yeah, That's totally.
0: Not it's not sustainable, but I think I need to be reminded and this is why I love interviewing people like yourself and having the conversations Sophie and I do with people because it makes people realise, hang on a minute, we are all human and we all yeah. just need to just tone it down a level and realize that we're not superior and we're not superheroes.
2: Yeah. It's not a competition. No. And also like another thing I've been super vocal about is I have always had help. I've always asked for help. And that's something that I don't think we should have to hide the fact that we can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I just no. can't. I don't think I would be the best version of myself. I don't think that my children will get the best version of me. And so I've had help and I'm yeah. really grateful for that. And, you know, I think as women, sometimes we think, well, I should be able to do this. And my mum did this. So I just, I, do, I have help. I have had help since James was born and, you know, it's still hard. I still find it hard, even though I have help because I still want to do a great job and I still want to be there for them. And I want to be there for my husband and I want to sort of, figure out new avenues of my career and things that like excite me and stimulate me because I'm still a person like I'm I didn't, I'm still here I didn't go anywhere just because I became a mother so I think that like the more we talk about it and the more we have conversations about what the reality actually is and not what this fake image that some of us try and put out there is, is showing people it's healthier for everyone
0: when we get out of here like when we can fly I'm coming over and we're hanging out let's do it yeah for sure I'm down Oh, and also, well, I've been thinking. Yeah, Australia is next level. But I've been thinking in this podcast that you guys should do a H two O movie. Now that you're older, (laughs) not old,
1: just older.
0: Now that you're older, we're we're the mums. We'll play the mums. I know. Um. How good would it be?
2: Yeah, I I guess we. I mean, I my Phoebe is like crushing it with her career right now. She's doing all kinds of movies and she's a full movie star. So I don't know if she'd have time for us. But what,
1: I'll pitch what it was to her. her? That's okay. I'm happy to fill her spot. Yeah, I look pretty I good agree. in a mermaid tail. So <laughs> I, I'm happy to take over Phoebe, and I'm I can this. be
0: the director. So we're all good. We've got all our Perfect. hats on. I um, can play
1: my daughter. Yeah, see, my cool. mermaid daughter. She'll be so disappointed when she goes back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of your career, I mean, it might be also altered because of the pandemic. How have you found motherhood has changed that? Like do people not consider you anymore for like roles that maybe they would have before?
2: It's more uh, that, you know, I'm not willing to take my family to the ends of the earth to do a job for however many months and uproot my children's lives so that I can be in a movie. You know, yeah. I just don't, I love my career. I'm so grateful for it. I still hope that there are projects that I'll be able to do that sit in with my family, but it's not my priority anymore. And so I feel like that is what, goes into all of my decisions versus what it used to be which was like okay well what's the best trajectory and which director do I want to work with and do I want to do TV or film and you know obviously you still have to audition you have to book jobs it's not like I'm getting offers like Narrow Street, um, <laughs> but I, I just now feel like it's not necessarily worth it to me to hustle in the way that I used to because I do have such a happy home life and I do have other areas of my career that I'm exploring. And that's really exciting for me. And I've realized, you know, through this collaboration with Andy and some of the other investments that I've made into different companies, like I can stay home and work. And I can do things that are creatively fulfilling and that I enjoy, but I get to drop my son at school. So you know it's just like a different time for me. And I'm not saying that I I won't ever sort of try and go back to where what I was doing, maybe when they're not in school anymore or maybe when they've
1: left me for college, which I can't even think about.
2: But right now it's sort of no, more, you've got you know, a while, not, don't worry. I have a two and
1: a one year old, you know. So yeah, and I think so often. I mean, I think it's like great to be driven and career career, career <laughs> driven as a woman. And I mean, I had a very different career before I had kids. And people are always like, "Do you she think you're going to go? Ba- <laughs> Do you think you're going to go back to <laughs> it?" Was. And I, I wasn't a gardener. I, I was working as a doctor before I had kids. And I'm fair, like, I might never say never, but just right. <laughs> But I think it's one of these things that we're like, oh, if we don't go back to it now, it'll be never. And it's like there's going to be a time where our kids are less like I know our kids are always going to need us but like we're obviously in a stage right now where our kids are highly dependent on us and so it's not necessarily now or never. You know, we're allowed to really like revel in this time and Mm -hmm. set them for a later date or we can launch back into it now, whatever works for us. yeah. Thank you so, so much for joining us on the podcast today, Claire. We cannot wait to check out your collab with Andy Swim. Oh, thank you. And we are even more excited about the reunion Mum H two O special that I'm yes. gonna be a part of. I'm gonna go pick my tail now. Perfect. And I can't wait. The and you can get
0: your family out of the garage now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great. What time is it? Are they about oh, six, years.
2: It's time for them to eat. They're probably screaming like banshees. My husband's like but we can't hear them, that's the beauty.
0: <laughs> Go, girl, thank you, you so do what much. you have to do this and thank so you. Great. See you later. See you see later. later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you
1: enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.